Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter.com or Blue Sky at Braden Gall. And I'm Michael Gallagher with Nashville Hockey Now. You can follow me on Twitter at MGSports underscore. I'm not on Blue Sky, sorry. <laughs> We've got a pretty awesome show today. Uh, we Listen, it's it, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. It is my favorite holiday of the year. It's one of those times of year where you got NHL hockey, you got college basketball, you got pro football, you got just everything is happening. And I love the holiday so much. We thought, you know what? After a performance like the Nashville Predators put together at Bridgestone Arena on Monday evening against the Kings of the Central Division in one of the most historic comebacks in franchise history, maybe the most historic comeback in franchise history, we thought, you know what? We got to get you guys a show uh, we were planning on doing this on Tuesday anyway and getting it up early for you guys to travel this weekend. And it just happens to work out. Uh, I love it when it works out like this because uh, the Preds put together a, a magical moment at Bridgestone Arena on Monday evening. We'll get to that after beating Chicago on Saturday, ending what was the worst stretch of hockey of the season. They now have put together two monumental wins and, of course, in epic fashion on Monday evening. You were there, Michael, so we'll get uh, we'll get to everything that you've seen over the weekend. Uh, the two straight wins now. They're not in the basement anymore in the Central Division at time of taping. They're, they're, they're ahead of two other teams. And, and what does it all mean? So there's a lot of stuff to get to, of course, today on the show. There might be another injury to Cody Glass, which is uh, unfortunate. We could have some players coming back from injury. Philip Forsberg's on a heater. One player that I personally will take the blame for not talking about enough. We will talk about that person on the show this week because I have personally not mentioned him enough, and I think we need to. Uh, so we've got a whole lot of stuff to get to. Uh, before we do, uh, Michael Gallagher, happy Thanksgiving. What, what, what? Perhaps if you needed a break from family, if you need a break from Thanksgiving turkey leftovers, if you need a break from all of that stuff, and you want to watch some football or some hockey over the weekend, where perhaps should the wonderful folks of Nashville go? I would go to Jasper's, but that's just me. You would go to Jasper's? I would. You have you been you you have you would actually do it, is what you're saying. There's a difference between I would go and I have gone. Let's just <laughs> let's just say that. No, I, I am planning on after Thanksgiving, I want to bring the wife back to Jasper's because the first time I went was with her and we enjoyed it. And I was just thinking about this the other day. I'm like, you know, it's been a couple months since I've been. I, I need some new material for these live reads for Jasper's. So we're going to go. I'm going to try some different food so I can give you an opinion on more than just the two items I've, I've had. New, new material or any material. Uh, or any material, yes. <laughs> be good. Uh, it's funny, like your plan to go to Jasper's was sort of like my plan to go to the Preds game on Monday night against Colorado. Uh, I had, My oldest daughter was sick on Friday, home from school. My youngest daughter was sick. And if you can't tell, I feel like I'm talking through both of my nostrils right now. So uh, unfortunately, I didn't get there, but it looked like it was spectacular, equally as spectacular as Jasper's food and free parking. So go to Jasper's, everybody. We do appreciate their support. Uh, okay, so Bridgestone Arena doesn't have is free parking. Uh, no, and the food is not, with all due respect, they've done a lot of work to the food at Bridgestone Arena. It's still not even close to the food you're going to get at Jasper's. Bridgestone Arena food is good for like a, a stadium venue, but it's not, it's not on Jasper's level. I, I, you know what it is? I feel like it's the same argument I get in with all my buddies about fast food. They're like, oh, this is the best fast food. No, no free shouts here. Uh, but like, this is like the best. This is the best one of the group. And you're like, I'm like, yeah, but that's kind of like, you know, being the best football team in the Mac or something like it's not it, like it, it is really good food for an arena. <laughs> like that's what you have to you have to add the for an arena standpoint. Also, you know, $18 for a grilled cheese or whatever. So anyway, yeah, that's ridiculous. So so go to Jasper's, of course, before after the game, uh, if you want to watch the games there, great drink special. So uh, I was planning on going because I, I, you know, Ryan Johansson's return, Colorado, best team. 
I wanted to see this team up close and personally. Uh, I have not had a chance to see them in person yet. Philip Forsberg on an absolute tear right now. I thought, you know what? There's a chance that they could come out and and after Chicago's win on Saturday, 4-2, where Cole Smith scores a couple of goals. Uh, and in light of some injuries and some scratches, some of these guys needed to step into bigger roles. And that is absolutely what's happening. Uh, first, before we get into what these two games mean and and sort of the the historical context of the two goals in the final 38 seconds, uh, what was the building like? Uh, is there a chance that was it a holiday boost or was it a Colorado Avalanche boost? Was it Ryan Johansson boost? All of the above. Describe the atmosphere on Monday evening for those that were not able to attend. Yeah, I think it. <clears throat> excuse me. I think it was all of the above. Hey, Ryan Johansson coming back for the first time since he's been traded. Obviously, there were some fans that still love love them some Rijo, so they, they were there to see them, uh, see him. There were some that were there because it's Colorado Avalanche, the you know first second place team in the division. Um, there's probably also the crowd that's like, hey, you know what? It's two three days before Thanksgiving. Maybe some people have the week off. Like, let's go to a Preds game. Tickets are probably really easy and cheaper to to get right now. So I think it was a mix of all that, and also you still have the the diehard season ticket holders that are going to be there regardless of how good or bad the team is. So, but th- that last night was that, that was probably the biggest crowd this year. Maybe, maybe this, the home opener kind of rivaled it a little bit just because that was the first game, but sure. that was, that was, a, that was the atmosphere I'm used to at Bridgestone arena. It was loud. The fans were invested. Even when the predators were down a goal, like you, you, there wasn't this ushering of people to the, to the, to the exits and stuff like that felt like Bridgestone arena that almost felt like a playoff game last night. And I think what what struck me is that the fans were treated and it's not just the ending. We, we can discuss the historical. Again, the historical context of the ending is that the there are only 11 times has an NHL team scored a game tying and game winning goal in the final minute of regulation. Uh, I think since 1986 or something, something like that. It's only happened 11 times. And it's the first time in franchise history that the Predators have ever done what they did against Colorado. Philip Forsberg after sustained pressure in the offensive zone, uh, they are trailing going into the third period, something we've talked a lot about with this team. Philip Forsberg scores a goal with 38 seconds, just sort of knocks it out of thin air after a lot of pressure. That, to me, was a function of the Predators doing all the work to get to that point. And then, of course, Kale McCarr makes a crazy stupid mistake on the on the ensuing faceoff. The puck bounces into his own zone. There's kind of a, some weird bounces. It bounces out in front. Yakov Trenin puts it away. 22 seconds left to go. Again, first time in history that has ever happened. But it's not just the ending, Michael, that I think is what was encouraging, if I'm a fan at that game, is that they sort of felt like they were playing at the tempo and pace and, and up to the Colorado Avalanche's standard for most of the game. It wasn't just, hey, we played terribly, we're down 3-2, and we rallied and scored a couple of goals in a fluky way. It was no like we we felt like we were on the same sheet of ice with the Avs for most of the season. Is that that's what it felt like? Is that the sense that you got from the fans in in the building? Yeah, and I think I think last night was kind of the first time you're watching a Predators game this season where you're like, okay, this team if they're on their game, they can hang with with some of the top teams in the league. And and I mean, we saw it in the in the final numbers like. Shots were pretty close. Hits were pretty close. Faceoffs, all that. Everything was pretty close. The only thing, the only drastic difference was the Avalanche had 13 more block shots than the Preds did. But I think last night was kind of, kind of what fans were expecting to see from this Predators team when the season began. I think last night was also a little bit of like the promise Andrew Burnett made to the fans of playing fast, exciting uh, hockey that you're willing to pay money for. 
Because at no point last night were the Preds ever out of that game. Even when it's the final minute and they're down by one, they still were never out of it. That was an evenly matched game. I'm not saying they're evenly matched teams, but last night, just sure. for that that 60-minute uh, time period there, they were evenly matched teams. And I think that's that's kind of what Predators fans were hoping to see. That's the kind of offense. That's the kind of the excitement. That's the performance that they were looking for. And I think that's what they're what they can be capable of once they kind of build some chemistry and they get their momentum going. Uh, so Philip Forsberg, of course, I think that's eight goals, eight assists in his last 10 games. He's had he's on more than a point per game pace this season, 21 points through 17 games. I you guys are welcome made- for that, by the way. I wrote that story about him needing to turn his scoring chances into goals. And since then, all he's done is score goals. Well, and Yakov Trenin as well. Like this is a guy who was one of the top five or six guys on the team in shots. I think he's sixth in shots now, but they start to go in. He scored now in both games. He scores against Chicago. He scores, obviously, the game winner against Colorado. Cole Smith now has an offensive explosion of four <laughs> goals this season. Um, but also here's, here's what Lozon scores a goal against Colorado. Uh, what's interesting to me is you've got guys that are also the leaders in the physicality department, right? Like Trenton 44 hits, I think is number one on the team. You know, uh, Jeremy Lozon is a top hitter on the team. Cole Smith, I think is number one tied with, with uh, Trenton on the team. So without, and obviously I, this, it goes without saying, but clearly Luke Evangelista has always been the problem. Uh, Luke Evangelista, I've, I've said it all, all, all year, every episode that Evangelista is getting too much ice time. He needs to be on the bench. Uh, I don't, I don't think he's cut out for this NHL thing. And I think as soon as they benched him, obviously they had one of their most important performances uh, of the season. No, I'm kidding. Um, But I think it is important with Tommy Novak out, a guy who was creating offensive chances. Uh, and again, we'll get to a few other names that have been better than we expected, but it's important that those guys are starting to produce. And frankly, the Trenton Parson and Smith line has done pretty well the last couple games. Yeah. Is, is last night the lineup that I think we're, we're going to see a lot more of probably not like, again, I still don't think Liam foodie is a key piece to this team going forward. And I, I know Alex Doherty was talking about last night when I was sitting next to him, he was like, the Preds love one thing about Liam foodie and that's his speed but he doesn't use it. Like we saw last night, he skated into the, into the offensive zone with the puck. And instead of like rushing the net or doing anything with it, he slowed down and <laughs> waited for his teammates to get back over to the blue line. And then he looked to pass it. Like, I, I think they're going to pull the plug on that experiment pretty soon. Obviously, Tommy Novak coming in back into the lineup, I think is going to help. But I think right now, Andrew Burnett is trying to mix and match and find the right pieces and find find what works. And he might have to do some more of that because uh, late in the in the third period last night, Cody Glass gets injured, skates off. Um, saw him icing his shoulder in the locker room after the game. I don't know how severe it is, but they could be without him for another couple of games or extended period of time, depending on how bad his shoulder injury is. So, I mean, Andrew Burnett's got his work cut out for him. Last night was a good momentum builder, and, and, and Gustav Nyquist said it was good from around the locker room to have a win like that on top of a, a win the previous game. Now they might have they might be without you know two of their top three centers for for a couple of weeks. So it, I don't envy Andrew Burnett because there are so many pieces and it is try, it is tough trying to find what works, trying to give give guys enough time to build chemistry and stuff like that. But obviously there's some, there's some encouraging stuff that's happening. So yeah, and I think Philip Tomasino with an assist in each of the last two games, 10, 10 minutes against Chicago, fourteen minutes against Colorado. So I don't know if you've seen what you what, if you like what you've seen from him. Uh, but I think he's starting to there's a little bit more consistency there again, even just getting some playing time. But they're going to have to have guys step up. And that that's to me part of what you saw the last two games is guys again, Cole Smith, you're not going to score two goals every time. It's it's happened all actually twice this season. But uh, like you need these guys. Trennan is a guy who's been 
shooting the puck and been on the puck in the offensive zone for most of the season. He's had terrible shot luck. And now, of course, he gets two big ones because of work ethic and and getting in there. I I, I want to stay positive because I think eventually this conversation is going to land on what does it all mean? And it doesn't mean anything. If you don't <laughs> if, if you don't make it mean something, you've got to make it mean something uh, down the road because. That was a special night. Like Monday night was a night you should remember. That's a special night against, again, the level of competition is important. Ryan Johansson being in the building is important to the context of what that win means. I mean, it it looked and felt like old Bridgestone, and it looked and felt like a team that was competing on every shift. Um, they were desperate in the third period. That's one of the things we have harped on this season is this team's got to learn how to finish games in the third period. They went into the third period trailing, and they came out of it with a win that's uh, they, they they haven't done that <laughs> this year and so you know beating again with chicago they go up two nothing uh th- th- then it's chicago answers makes it two one then they go back up and they score to go three one and then chicago answers and it goes three two and then they come back and answer to go four two so that's sort of every time chicago got back in the game nashville put them away and that's two games where if you are saying what does this mean you're looking at it and going, maybe they are learning how to finish games in the third period. And again, I, that's an incredibly important skill and development for this team if it actually is what's happening. <laughs> like you can't, it's important that it happened right after the worst stretch of hockey. It's really critical that they take these two games and make it mean something by continuing that play. Again, not against easy competition, Calgary, St. Louis, Winnipeg, Pittsburgh, until we talk to you guys again over the holiday weekend. Yeah, and I think a couple other things to note, too, especially in the two wins, and you can even throw the Arizona game in there, even though it was a loss, five goals, four goals, four goals. It seems like it's only it's only three games, but it seems like they're they're starting to find their stride in the goal scoring department. That's something that has really been an issue Uh, before the game last night. I tweeted out a graphic from the broadcast of Alexander Georgiev. I think that's how you say his name, Uh, him and Saros side by side. Their goals against average and save percentage were pretty similar, except Gorgiev's what record was 10 and four and Saros was like four and 10 or something like that. And I said, this is the difference between getting goal support and not getting goal support. Yep. Now we're starting to see the offense kind of round into form uh, four goals, four goals, five goals. You hope that that's something that they continue as well. And also last night was UC Saros's first win in three weeks. I didn't believe <laughs> that until I went and looked it up. Uh, I think John Glennon mentioned something to Andrew Burnett in the post game about Saros's first win in a while. And I was like, no, he, he won like last week or, you know, it hasn't been that long. And I went back and looked October 28th against the Maple Leafs was the last time UC Saros got a win. So I'm sure that last night, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice too. I don't, I don't know if it's the weather or what it is, but I'm sure last night was, was good for his confidence because he hasn't played terribly. He has given up some goals. He probably shouldn't have been, the results haven't been great, but I think last night was good for Saros' confidence moving forward, too, because he finally gets a win against one of the, the top teams in the NHL. And last night was, I think, a glimpse of what this team can be once everything is hitting the way it needs to. Well, and and I think one of the most optimistic notes I could strike now, they're at 3.06 goals per game. That's 20th in the NHL. So, again, still not great. They're about the same in goals allowed 21st. So they're still I guess they're the top. They're the top of the bottom third. <laughs> If that if that's what you want to call it, they're among the best worst teams in goals for and goals against. And again, this team is not going to win a cup, so we we have to sort of frame that in those contexts. I, I think what's optimistic about not just hey they played two of the most important games of the season at home, coming off a bad stretch where they 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 challenged a rival, albeit a terrible team. I get it, Chicago's not good, 
but you beat a rival at home, which led to like apparently like violence on Broadway, apparently um, all kinds of fighting. <laughs> and then you do what you do against Colorado in a game like that. Those are the kinds of things that can become season defining moments, but you have to make them become season defining moments. And again, more optimism is look, Luke Shen and, and Ryan McDonough aren't even back yet. Uh, Evangelista was a scratch. Tomasino still hasn't sort of found himself yet. Like Forsberg's on an absolute tear. You're starting to see support from Trenton. Like you can start to see it form, but you can't then turn around and like poop on yourself <laughs> against Calgary, St. Louis, Winnipeg, and Pittsburgh. And really, what we just saw in those two games will be defined more by what they do next in this next week of action. When we come back next week and we talk to you guys, what what is the what is it what does it look like if if they get three wins? then you can start to point to the future of the team. If they, you know, go one and three in this stretch, then we're still on this roller coaster and, and it's not a, a beginning of a trend. But the defense will get better because it's going to get healthier. And I think the depth is going to get some experience here. We've talked about. And then eventually you're going to get Novak back. Hopefully Cody Glass isn't out for too long. Uh, and you're starting to see some secondary scoring. So I think you, you can you could spin it in an extremely positive way. But the president probably also going to get Ryan McDonough back in the next probably couple games. Luke Shen's probably working his way back in the next week or two. I mean, there's the defense will get better. And and something I noticed last night, I almost texted you, but it was it was kind of late. Alex Carrier to me is just not fast enough to keep up with a team like Colorado, especially on the penalty kill. And that just last night kind of showed to me. I was very impressed with the way Jeremy Lozon played especially when he was on the penalty kill. And I, and I feel like I feel like Alex Carey is kind of becoming a liability on the PK. So we, we said it last week, but it can't be understated just how important Ryan McDonough is to this team, especially on the PK, because he's the, he's the kind of glue that holds that unit all together. And we talked about how bad that, that unit has been. I think him coming back will help solve some things. But I think, like you said, there, there's there's enough to be encouraged by given the last couple of games and how they went. I know the four-game losing streak was bad and fans kind of got down on the scene for a little bit. But I think there's enough to be encouraged by. And I think Tomasino, too. Like, yeah, he's not probably producing the way Andrew Burnett would like or the fans would like. But three shots the last two games, two assists. Uh, When he was in the Chicago game, I think he played like 10 and a half minutes. Last night, he was at 14, 20, somewhere in there. So I think they're starting to trust him a little bit. They're giving him a little bit more leeway. Um, so th- some of the, some of the things that the fans have wanted to see, it's finally happening. And I think this is, it's an interesting time to be a Preds fan because there's a lot of pieces. You don't know who's going to be in and out of the lineup on a nightly basis. I think Luke Evangelista being scratched last night was kind of a surprise. I know I was a surprise and I listened to Andrew Burnett's quote about why he scratched him and how he hasn't played up to his level of expectation. I went back and looked, I'm like, Luke Evangelista is actually playing pretty well. He's got like four points in like the last six or seven games. So that kind of confused me, but I mean, yeah. they went out and they won a game. So yeah. Well, and he he clearly trusts Spencer Stasny. He's been getting uh, two minutes on the on the penalty kill a, a game. But what's interesting yeah. to your point about the penalty kill and the penalty kill has obviously been terrible. And we've talked about it a lot. And to your point about Carrier, the the top four defensemen in terms of average time on ice during the shorthanded periods of time. Number one on the team is Ryan McDonough hasn't been available. Number two is Carrier. Number three is Lozon, who I do I agree with you is is starting to play better across the board. And number four is Luke Shen. So two of your top four defensemen in terms of time, you've put them out there and shorthanded. And that's all, of course, for Shen all in one game. But like those two guys not being on available has forced Alex Carrier into that situation. Fabro, I think, yeah. has been Fabro, I think has been okay, but it's clear that his minutes are, are down relative to the other guys. Like 
Spencer Stasny getting that amount of time on the penalty kill is, is, a, is a lot of trust, I think. So, and I think I, that's I, why we saw Mark Del Geizo go back to Milwaukee, why Spencer Stasny is still here. Del Geizo is a little bit more of an offensive defenseman. I'm not, he's not Shea Weber or anything, but he's a little bit more offensive minded, whereas Stasny is more defensive minded. Stasny go out and, and put up points if you need him to. But I feel like that's the reason why Stasny stayed and Del Geizo's back in the NHL is because I think the coaching staff trusts Spencer Stasny a little bit more and he's probably a little bit more sound. Uh, defensively, so they do trust him in those situations where they're shorthanded. They do trust him to go out there and kill a penalty in a, in a, in a big moment like they did last night. Yeah, it should be. It should be. Listen, this is a, a a day and a game and a week to celebrate as a Preds fan going into the holidays. Enjoy it, uh, regardless of what happens and when you're listening to this. Depending again on the Calgary game, uh, is irrelevant. What matters is over the next week, two weeks, do they take what they've got and learned in these two games and translate that into into more productive and consistent performance or is it just a total flash and par- again part of the roller coaster that that is most important is it's just a game it's just a it's a it's a november hockey game in the regular season on a monday night it, and honestly this is a stretch of your schedule a stretch of their schedule where this is the time to kind of capitalize on this calgary st louis winnipeg pittsburgh minnesota all kind of struggling teams the rangers are, are usually pretty good but then you have tampa bay and in between that you have buffalo and chicago so you have I don't want to call them softball. Ran- the games. Rangers are on a tear right now. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to say you have a couple softball games in there, but you have. You know, out of those eight games, realistically, you should have a, a good chance of winning at least five of those. Yeah. I, there. There you go. All right. So let me mention a guy here. We have not talked a whole lot about. Go to Jasper's, by the way, of course, everybody, and sign up for a subscription Nashville Hockey Now. Uh, go. Go check them both out. Number three on the team in points. A couple of big assists uh, over this stretch one of the only guys winning the majority of his, of his face offs, although he's only taken like a handful. <laughs> um, it, he is, I think, I don't want to say like the guy that we've failed to talk about the most, because that would be completely my fault. Uh, but Gus Nyquist is a guy with 10 assists, two goals is playing meaningful minutes, playing top six role. And I'm not sure we've talked about him much on the show at all at any point during the first 17 games of the season, but he kind of is just there where he needs to be at all times. And that's the kind of they're, they're, like Ryan O'Reilly at 16 points in 17 games, a point per game player. I think we knew that he was that type of guy, right? Like that there's a reason he won a cup. There's a reason he's had the career he's had. I, I think the reason Barry Trotz has brought in guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Gus Nyquist, I think is obvious. And I think Nyquist is a guy that's just a stabilizing force. And I think he's been more productive than anybody thought he could be. I think it, and myself included, I thought he would be a, a solid complimentary piece on maybe the second line. I figure if you get 20 goals out of him, great 30 to 40 points, probably what he's looking at this year. Um, but he has been a pleasant surprise and he's kind of skated under the radar here. Um, and I know Preds fans love their, their cute little nicknames and stuff. And we have uh Phil, Phil Buary and whatnot. I think I think November should be November because oh. Nyquist, Nyquist one goal and eight points. So out of the two goals and ten points he has, ninety percent of them have come this month in the eight games, and he's on what a one, two, three, four, five game point streak right now. Like he's, I think he's been arguably the Predators' hottest player besides Philip Forsberg, especially in the month of November. But just over the last week or two, um, he had the goal. I think in the game, the I don't know if it was the day after or the day his his last kid was born. Um, two points last two assists last night. He's really been tearing it up and he's, he's one of the, I think we're seeing exactly out of him what Barry Trotz promised everybody. 
He's playing exactly the way you need to play. You can tell he's a veteran. He's always, he's got great positioning. He's got great timing. He's where he needs to be on the ice 95% of the time. Rarely is he getting beat. He's buzzing around the net. He's chipping in some goals. He's doing, he's doing all of the things that I think Barry Trotz wants the rest of the team to learn from and then do themselves. So Uh, he's been, he's been a great signing. Availability. He's played all 17 games. He's got five power play points. So he's been good on the power play. I think he's uh, number two on the team with four power play assists. He's number one on the team in even strength assists. Like, it's just one of those guys that you're kind of like, wait a second, third on the team, like in points and, and fourth in shots. He, he's there. And again, the shooting percentage has not even been that great, but he's creating offense. And so, uh, again, I, I don't think we can expect O'Reilly, for example, to continue. I mean, his he's got eight goals in 17 games. I you know, asking him to to score 40 goals, I think is is pretty absurd. And and Nyquist is on pace for like a 60 point season. I, I don't think we can ask that pace of them, but like the shooting percentage could come up and the consistency on the power play is there. So I just think we need to give old Gus uh, a little love here because he's one of those guys that we have not mentioned a whole lot on the show. And I think it's because he just sort of quietly goes about his business at all times. And then to to your point, and you and you mentioned this, and it's up on the website if you want to go see the video of, of Nyquist talking about it after the game, how badly the locker room needed a win like that. And I think we all, it's all obvious, but it takes a, a veteran to kind of come out and say the thing sometimes. And he's a guy that can do that. And so I look, just excellent job. Uh, Got to give him credit for what, what he's accomplished so far uh, as a predator in a short period of time. And another solid veteran stabilizing force that Barry Trotz brought in to help all these young players develop. Cause clearly they are still working through what the young player lineup needs to look like. <laughs> yeah. And he, uh, I'll say he's, he's very soft-spoken, uh, just a very gentle human being. He, he kind of remind you know how, like when you, when you're having a bad day and you're like venting to your friends about something and they, there's that one friend that always finds something to be positive about, like, your car caught on fire, your dog got ran over, like oh my God. all these terrible things are happening to you. And then there's that one friend that's like, well, you know, at least you got your health. Like there's a, like, that's who, that's who Gus Nyquist reminds me of. He's the one, the one friend that finds the, always finds the positive nugget to kind of hold on to. And I feel like that's, that's kind of why Barry Trotz signed him. I feel like he's kind of been one of the guys holding the locker room together, um, trying to hold, trying to keep morale up too, just with, with the four game losing streak and just everything that's been happening to them. And last night he was just, he was very overjoyed to just be like, man, we needed a win like that. Like this locker room needed a win like that. We we needed something to kind of hold on to and build off of. And and I mean, he go check out the website. I have all the post game videos and stuff like that. But he's just someone who doesn't even when he's upset, he doesn't seem like he's that upset. So it, it's nice to interview a player like that who has their head on straight and kind of keeps a positive attitude most of the time. Did, did it feel different in, in the locker room? Like, was there. I mean, obviously, they're going to come off a high win like that, and they're going to feel buoyed, and they're going to feel optimistic. But could you tell anything foundationally different about the group in the locker room? Oh, yeah. You walk in the locker room, the atmosphere was so much different than it was a week ago. You walk in after a loss, there's always just kind of, I don't know, like, you know, is it there? Nash- so, so, Nashville so- middle of summer when you walk outside, it's 95 degrees, and the air just feels <laughs> thick. you're chewing on it. That's how it feels in the locker room after a loss. Last night, it was breezy. Everyone was in a good mood. They gave us four players to talk to. They usually give us two. Like It was completely <laughs> different last night. Well, and I, I, of course, that's the difference. So sometimes I've been in the locker room where after a loss, there's still a quiet confidence. Does that make sense? Like the, mm-hmm. a team that sort of believes in itself understands that even the best teams are going to lose like 20, 25 times a year. Like that's just going to happen. Like that, even the best teams lose eighteen times a year or whatever. That has not been this team. Uh, even in the right. losses this year, there's always been the, there's been the 
the the urgency of oh man we had to figure out what the hell is going wrong because we don't know what it is so i guess that's it's hard to really parse out sometimes but i guess my ultimate question is of course the locker room is buoyed and excited and happy about after a win like that i'm i'm curious if there's anything if there was anything more there like this uh, but but again that's hard to that's really hard to pick up in just one win so here here's the here's first of all i got to follow up if you are a listener of this show and we love you very much if you're a listener of this show and and ever in your life your car has caught fire and your dog has died in the same day i will take you to jasper's myself personally and buy you dinner I, Those were two extreme examples, <laughs> but I'm just coming up with stuff off the fly. Like I'm trying to think of what would be a really bad day for me. So that, that would be a bad day if that's ever happened to any human being. I want to know about it at MG Sports underscore at Braden Gall. <laughs> I want to know about it. So perhaps <laughs> I should have said your your car won't start, and then someone drives by and splashes you with a puddle or something. I don't know. That's see, that's a that's probably happened a lot more often. But I really am now. I'm just genuinely curious if anyone has ever had their car start on fire. <laughs> And their dog die on the same day. Because I will absolutely, on the company dollar, take you out and buy you dinner at Jasper's. Because we'll park for free and nothing will happen to your dog while you're there. I promise. (laughs) I promise. Um, So ultimately, look, I think we're going to have a shorter episode this week. It's a holiday. We want you guys to have a great holiday. And I want to leave everybody on a positive note because it was a really extraordinary. And and if you want to, I haven't really asked you about like how the reception to Ryan Johansson seemed seemed to be, I think, appropriate. I think he is, but we've talked about this before, of all the former players, uh, there's a lot of them that sort of have <clears throat> create sort of mixed emotions in, in fans, you know, whether it's Fiala did not not sort of accomplishing what he needed to accomplish here and then going on to do good things, or certainly the way Ellie Tolvanen was discharged. I mean, there's lots of different emotions around different players and stuff, but it does feel like if you're going to say that, Ryan Johansson is arguably the most important and best center in the history of the franchise. You know, he didn't do anything last night, which is great. <laughs> so, like, you get to celebrate him, you get to say hi, you get to wave, you get to do the whole thing, the whole return to Bridgestone thing. And then you beat the team the way you did. And he, you know, he played whatever, 14, 15 minutes, but didn't really do much. I think he had like a shot and a giveaway. <laughs> so, so that's kind of what you want to see. I assume that the fans gave him the, the response that he deserves. And I don't have, I don't think I think that's appropriate. I, I've been on the fans. For how they treat Ryan Suter, I think it's silly how the fans treat Ryan Suter. Uh, but Ryan Johansson is not. He's one that deserves sort of the treatment that he gets when he comes back. So, Yeah, absolutely. The The video tribute they played for him was was very nice and appropriate that the fans were treating him well. They were cheering for him and stuff. And you still have, you know, the few knuckleheads out there like, oh, I'm glad he's gone. We need to get rid of him, all that stuff. But I, I think it was nice to see for the most part, everyone was happy to be there, obviously. And, and just the relationships he's built, um, he brought a uh, partner a uh, custom hat with avalanche logo and his name on it and stuff like that and he partners usually the first guy that anytime a visiting player comes back they go and they seek him out and it's nice to see that you know beyond the game like the friendships are still there the relationships you built are still there and i think ryan johansson's one of those guys that i mean he even said over the during the offseason like the trade caught him by surprise even though he was kind of expecting it and you could tell you could definitely tell the way he reacted last night nashville still has sentimental value to him well, and two things can be true that sort of appear contradictory all the time. Like it, Matias Ekholm did the same thing. Like the first thing he did, and, and I have unbelievable amounts of respect for for Matias Ekholm. Uh, first thing he did was was meet up with partner, give him a big hug, and have a conversation with them. And um, he's a guy that if you're around that building, you, you're going to see and you're going to meet and you're going to have conversations with and you're going to know. And if you're especially if you're a player, much less media, but multiple things can be true. Like you can say Matias Ekholm, you know, enormous part of this franchise's history and fabric. 
it they needed to they needed to get assets for him. They needed to they needed to help the rebuild by trading him. Ryan Johansson, unbelievably important person in the fabric and the history of this franchise, was probably time to move on. And that's okay. Like it's okay for those two things to kind of both be true at the same time, even though they may appear to be a little contradictory. And so and honestly, it's the best thing for Johansson too. He's having a pretty good season for the Avalanche. So I think it I think that's one of those things where it worked out for both parties. Uh Kale McCarr, by the way. Jeez. Holy smokes. Three more assists. What is that? Like five games with three assists? He's got 23 assists. I think he's got it's three ridiculous. straight games with three assists. And I tweeted out last night that he has more assists than the Preds leading scorer has points. It's insane. It's insane. That's true. He's got 23. Uh, also, uh, don't look now. Connor Bedard. I think it's starting to happen for old Connor Bedard. <laughs> what multiple two back-to-back games with multiple goals had an assist against the Preds on Saturday. I, I, you it's okay because the Blackhawks are still trash. They, they gonna suck. Be, they're going to be trash for at least the next year or two. So uh, Preds fans enjoy this period because it's probably not going to happen again for a while. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. You see what Arizona's doing with all those picks. Uh, I think Chicago's not too far behind. This is what makes the next draft cycle and those prospects for the Preds so incredibly important. And it means that Andrew Burnett needs to be the right guy. That's the other thing. And so seeing this type of week is a huge step in the right direction. All that matters now is what do you do with it? Do you want to make it a season defining win and a historic win that leads to to progress? You got to go do it. It, it, Enjoy it. Have fun. Have a great holiday. Go to Nashville hockey. Now go to Jasper's enjoy it. You got to go make it count. You have to go make it season defining over the next week and a half, two weeks. So we'll see. We shall see. Uh, Michael, thank you. I know a shorter episode this week, but it's the holiday. So hope you and the family have a great Thanksgiving. Um, obviously, a great way to, to, to head off into our holiday after a historic win like that in the final two minutes and we're in the final minute and just awesome stuff from the Preds on Monday night. So I hope I hope the fans enjoyed that one. I hope re- relish it. Enjoy it. I hope they did. I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, an uncharacteristically positive episode because we don't get too many of them. <laughs> uh, so enjoy your holiday. Uh, Nashville Hockey Now, Jaspers, uh, at MG Sports underscore, at Braden Gall. You can get to us there. Again, if you have had your car burst into flames and your dog died on the same day, tweet me and I will buy you dinner. Uh, otherwise, have a great holiday. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. Tell somebody about the product. We really, really do appreciate it. Uh, have a great one, everybody. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>